hey, welcome to Crazy Biatch Asians. This is a podcast where we discuss the issues Asians can face in the Western world with a critical mind, a bit of healthy debate, and lots of tea. Hosted by Sydney-based digital marketer Sharon Jiang and journalist Juna Zhu. Hey, hey, hey! On today's episode, we're talking about how living with a strange Asian name, Exhibit A, my name, can have a prominent effect on your life. From affecting your personality to your career, your name is like a passport which holds an immense amount of value in shaping you into the person you are today and will be in the future. Look, we're nine episodes into this podcast Mm -hmm. and I think we have to get rid of an elephant in the room. Yes. So regardless if you knew me before we started this podcast or you know me from starting Crazy Biatch Asians, Mm -hmm. I think one of the questions that popped into your head when I first introduced myself to you was, huh? Is her name Tuna? Juno? (laughs) And what is the J silent? So it's like Yuna? Also paired together with her surname, is it Tuna Zoo? strange and unpronounceable thing Mm. that kind of creates this vision of a cross between a smelly fish a petting zoo and ellen page pregnant right yes oh my gosh yes it's definitely been a huge challenge carrying this absurd name around with me i was the target of mockery growing up that even my school teachers used to make fun of it. Your teachers. My teachers. Adults. Adults. Oh my God. So I vividly remember sitting in my first year seven maths class mm-hmm. and it was the year Juno was released. Ah. So you can imagine we were going around introducing ourselves mm-hmm. and when it was my turn to introduce myself, my teacher was like, have you watched the movie Juno? Oh, are you pregnant? Exactly. That's exactly what he said. Are Actually? you pregnant? Oh, God. Yes. I truly despised my name growing up. I thought I had matured and finally overcome my anxiety about my name after I left school. But I soon came to realize that it would have a profound effect on my adult life too. Mm. It was actually only, I'd say, about two years ago when I realized on my brother's birth certificate, my brother's birth certificate, let me stress that. Mm-hmm. Official documents. Official documents. Under the sibling section, it was my sister's name. Mm-hmm. And then my name, T-U-N-A, <laughs> in bold black letters. On my brother's <gasps> birth certificate, my name is legally Truna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me for uh, laughing, but that is actually hilarious. My first reaction was shock. Yeah. Then laugh. Yeah. Then confusion. Honestly, my name has been the fueling fire mm. of my anxiety, my insecurity, and awkwardness in yeah. life. Look, honestly, I've always thought your name was so unique and oh. so beautiful. Oh, like the you. first time I met you, I'm like, what a gorgeous name. Oh, like, cool. I wish I could take that name because you know, Juna Jane kind of has a good ring <laughs> to it. So can I take that oh name? Oh my God, please go ahead. <laughs> but this episode isn't going to be a rant about my name because I know so many people who have such beautiful and unique names but are dealt with the same problems and experiences Mm. and it just doesn't have to be your first name either Mm. just having an asian surname can put you at such a disadvantage in life living in the western world 100 percent. now shaz yes 
you probably have one of the most bogan names, like Shaz, Shazabongo, Shazza. I have one of the most Australian bogan, bogan names. names, but then you have such an Asian surname. 100%, so, 100%. what has it been like living in the Western world with a bogan plus Asian mm. surname? I've actually had quite an opposite experience. So, I was born in China and I moved here with my parents when I was five. So I think it was a way for my parents to westernize me. In, they gave me the name Sharon to make me fit in more. So instead of having a Chinese sounding name, they gave me the most Australian sounding name. Ah. So I would belong better. And like you said, it's very bogan. Mm-hmm. So for those who are in Australia, you know what Sharon is like, basically. But for those who are overseas, Sharon is basically Shazza, Shazzy, Shaz, Shazabongo. Oh, Shaz. It's, it's so mm-hmm. bogan. So my experience were people being surprised at how an Asian girl like myself has such an Aussie name. Mm. So I'm going to paint a picture. When I got to Australia in kindergarten, I spoke zero English. I was a small, shy Asian girl with no idea about Western culture, no idea about English. And I wasn't aware that Sharon had such a sort of Aussie background Mm. to it. So when I was in kindergarten, everybody really loved the fact that I was called Sharon. And they used to like laugh at it, but in a good way. Mm. And they'd be like, oh, Shaz. All the teachers would be like, oh, Shaz, she just came from China. Bring it up for Shazza. And in my head, I'm like, no, my name is Sharon. Why is everyone calling me Shaz or Shazza? So it's more of been sort of surprise around my name, less sort of a mockery or anything oh. of it. Okay, you know what? You take Juna Jiang and I'll yes. take Sharon Zhu. Exactly. Can you do that? Because oh. I want Juna Jiang. <laughs> Look, I know I've talked really negatively about my name so far, mm-hmm. but I like to be a positive person. And mm-hmm. I do have to say my name has brought a great deal of entertainment and hilarity to my life. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. But I've always thought of my name as kind of like a passport. So a passport will get you to places. So if you have a strong common Western name, then you will have the opportunity to go amazing places. Mm -hmm. But if you have an unfamiliar name, then it has the ability to keep you stagnant or take you from point A to minus A, which is something we're going to discuss in this episode. So I'm sure many of you guys would have experienced this or at least have heard about this, but having a non-Western name can actually have a negative impact on your employability. Mm-hmm. A 2009 study conducted by the Australian National University found high rates of employer bias towards applicants of Anglo-Saxon, so basically white mm-hmm. names. The study found that Chinese names had a one in five chance of being asked for interviews compared to a one in three chance amongst Anglo-Saxon names. Basically, white names are more favorable than Chinese names. Perhaps why my parents chose Sharon out of all the bloody English names out there. You know what? Mr. and Mrs. Jiang are very smart. (laughs) (laughs) But what's shocking is that more recently, a 2017 University of Sydney study found 13% of job applicants with Anglo-Saxon names were invited back to an interview compared with just 4.8% of Chinese named applicants. 
That's a huge difference. Yes. Yeah. And even considering Australia is made out to be this progressive country in promoting diverse workplaces, mm. regardless of gender, sex, ethnicity, or location, mm. this statistic is quite alarming. Yeah. We're not talking about a study conducted in the early 2000s here. 100%. This is from 2017. Plus, this is only East Asian names we're talking about too. Mm. What about those from West Asia, including Iraq, Syria, and Iran, or 100%. further south from the Indian subcontinent? 100%. So a 2012 study by the Victoria University of Wellington, New Zealand, you know, our neighbours mm. across the ocean, New Zealand, also found that the easier your name is to pronounce, the more trustworthy people will assume you to be. Oh. And the reverse is also true. The more complicated your name is, the more untrustworthy you will seem. So I'm really untrustworthy <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> Although I don't think you have the most complicated of names out there. I've seen very long yes. Asian names. Yeah. So the author concluded saying, quote, We think that the easy names just feel more familiar or easy to process than the difficult names. To the Fred Flintstone parts of our brains, the feeling of ease or familiarity signals something that we can trust. But information that's difficult to process signals danger. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Mm, exactly. And the research doesn't even stop there. Mm. A New York University study found that people with easy-to-pronounce names often have higher status positions at work. Mm. And then another study by Marquette University in Wisconsin found names that were viewed as the least unique were more likable and that people with common names were more likely to be hired. Mm. But it's not just first names either. There's a hypothesis called nominative determinism, which explains how surnames can have an impact on our personality and career choices. Wow, that's quite a scientific yes. theory so there. It's, yeah, it's labelled. So this concept explains why someone called John Rich, mm -hmm. for example, might become a banker or have an occupation in finance yes. and one day will actually become rich. Yes. Or someone called Jane Law would become a lawyer. Yeah. This term was first used in the publication New Scientist in 1994, which mentioned several studies conducted by researchers with strangely fitting surnames. It included a book on polar explorations written by Daniel Snowman and an article on urology by two researchers <laughs> with the surnames Splat and Whedon. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Splat. Splat. <laughs> Wait, just a side note. Yeah. Does that mean I sound like I work at a zoo or... Maybe. Or I should be looking after, like, an aquarium? I should work in an aquarium. Or you should be a sushi master. Oh, I found my true calling. Exactly. Okay. So this idea that people are drawn to professions that fit their name was suggested by psychologist Carl Jung. Love this guy. I call him Jungers. <laughs> so Jungers cited Sigmund Freud as an example who studied pleasure and whose surname means joy. While many explanations behind this hypothesis have been challenged, one explanation which has managed to gain traction is the idea of implicit egotism. That is... Humans have an unconscious preference for things they associate with themselves. Wow. Okay, so going along this theory, this is not fair. Does that mean that I'm actually a <laughs> I have a name that is Shazza. 
Um, hello. My future kind of looks like full boganism for me. Perhaps you are a bogan. <laughs> I don't know. In another world, another world that I don't yes. know. You are the complete opposite of a bogan. Let me just point that out. I think that's why a lot of people are surprised when they meet me and they see my name yeah, Sharon. Because yes. like, you're the most composed, put together girl. Honestly, when you see Sharon on the street, you'll be like, nah, her name is something like Serena. Serena <laughs> Vanderwoodson. No. Honestly, Blair Waldorf. No. Someone oh like God. that. Wait, so does this mean everyone who's named Karen must cop so much slack for being stereotyped as this rude and obnoxious woman with that teacher haircut? Absolutely. Can I speak to the manager type of haircut? Yes. I bet the actual nice Karens are not happy about oh, this. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of career implications... What if I was to apply for a job and at the top of my resume, the hiring manager sees a big Juna Zoo splashed across the top of the page. They can't even pronounce it. They can't even spell it properly if they looked at it and then didn't look at it a second later. And then they flick to the next resume and see a nice Western name, something like Emily Smith, for example. Mm. Who do you think they're going to choose? There's no denying the fact that my name sounds like I'm an immigrant who can't speak proper English because it isn't common by Western standards. Mm. And it raises the question, do some hiring managers view a name the same way Spellcheck does with that red line underneath? Mm, I understand. And I was actually going to say this when we were discussing the Mm. research, like Western names are more favorable because it's easier for an Aussie to comprehend. It may not be straight up racist, but it's kind of like implicit bias And it can have negative effects on non-Westerners. So maybe yourself, Juna Zhu, is a thousand times more skilled than Emily Smith. Mm. But perhaps a hiring manager's first instinct, it's an instinctual thing, is is that they go with a Western name. Because to them, like the research shows, the Western name is familiar, Mm -hmm. they understand it, they can comprehend it. And then it's seen as more likable and trustworthy. That's exactly what the study proved. Mm. And I always joke about having a strange name that many people can't spell or pronounce. But deep down inside, it definitely does affect me yeah. from a career point of view. Yeah. It can get really hurtful because it triggers thoughts like maybe I am worthless and maybe it's not just my name that makes others better than me. Mm. I can definitely see how that would affect you. And like, you honestly don't need to think that way because you're very talented. And I think you have a very unique name. Oh my God. So but, but I get what you mean because you don't actually know how many times your resume has been put aside without even a second glance yeah. just because of the name. Mm. So apparently you have a way around this. Mm-hmm. So despite having the perfect size font, your presentation is spick and span and you have a list of skills that could get you hired at any company at the drop of a button, what happens when your best is really not good enough just because of your name? This is where the concept of whitening resumes comes into play. Mm. So an article on The Guardian defined it as this. A practice in which candidates alter any information on their resume that dictate their ethnicity. So this includes changing their name to a professional Western approved name, their nationality and so forth. Mm. Remember, every detail matters and a recruiter will dedicate approximately five to seven seconds browsing your resume. That's it. 
five to seven seconds five to seven seconds five to seven seconds to look at Juno's room and be like nah oh, she can't speak English God. <laughs> yeah that's not a lot of time yeah. at all yeah so it's instinctual mm-hmm. basically so because of this a lot of people decide to actually change their name purely for professional reasons all you have to do is look towards Hollywood stars as an example of this there are plenty who have chosen stage names to further their career and if they hadn't they probably would have had less chance of making it big for example Demi Moore real name is Demetria Gaines <laughs> Natalie Portman's real name is Natalie Hirschlag wow what English actor Ben Kingsley awesome name by the way real name is Krishna Banji I feel like I'm pronouncing half of these completely wrong, which just goes to show why they changed yeah. their names. Whoa, I never knew that. I know, yeah. Okay, what would your professional or pseudo name be? Sharon Smith. Oh my God. I think let's just make my already super bogan name even more Anglo by adding <laughs> Smith by the end of it and I'll be hired in every single role. Thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, I like to look at this with a cup half full because having a unique name is definitely not all doom and gloom. There are a few entertaining things I think everyone with a strange name, first or surname, Mm -hmm. can relate to. Yes. Okay, this is my list. Mm -hmm. Go for it. The emails, number one, even though it's right there in the email address and signature. Yes. Number two, you have to be prepared to tell your name twice. So it's like, Juna. Mm-hmm. Juna. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, is it June? Yeah. No, ju- is it Juno? June? Number three, you're programmed to spell your name after saying it. Yes. Juna Zoo. J U N A. 100%. Jiang. J for jelly. I for igloo. A for apple. N for Nelly. N for Nelly. Last time I said N for Nigeria. Oh. Really random. And G for giraffe. Exactly. Even when you spell it, people get it wrong, especially over the phone. Yes. What about the mountain of nicknames? Oh my God. Can we go through some of these? Because I've got so many on the top of my head. You go one and I go one. Junie. Juana. Juan. (laughs) Joanna. (laughs) Yuna. Junes. Junie. Did I already say Junie? Tuna. Oh God. Um, Shuna with an X. <gasps> That's right. <gasps> Moving on to the next one. <laughs> the lovely weird names you get on coffee cups. Mm-hmm. What's the worst one that you've got? The funniest one that you've got? Just Junie. Just Junie. Okay, okay. Do you remember Junie from Spy Kids? <gasps> oh yeah. That was a whole other saga. Oh my that was, god. It was it was Spy Kids and then Juno came. It, yes. just, it just kept on getting better and yes. better for me. Yes, yes. Okay, people you've only met a few times always say your name with a question mark at the end or they just avoid saying your name altogether. Yeah, that's true. Because mm-hmm. they're like, mm, what was her name? Yeah, it's uh, like, oh, uh, yeah, that chick over there. there. <laughs> and the last one, you just can't be bothered correcting people. Yeah, I know. It becomes a thing where you just accept yeah. it. Like on your Instagram stories, when you post about people spelling your name wrong mm-hmm. on their emails, you're kind of like, ha ha ha, okay, that's cool. <laughs> I'll accept it. Yeah. <laughs> But there are lots of upsides to this as well. Mm-hmm. Creating usernames and emails. I mean, oh, yes. my email is my name. 100%, 100%. My Instagram handle is my name. Exactly. It's so easy to create these usernames because no one has your name. Mm-hmm. 
People always ask what the meaning is behind your name. Yeah, actually, what is the meaning behind Juna? Well, growing up, my dad always said Juna is the jade crystal. (gasps) Oh, Mm. beautiful. But then I was also reading about the origins of Juna online and Mm. it said something about it being like a Greek god and then Juna descended off that Greek god. The last upside is... People with ordinary or common names always tell you how they wished they had a unique name. Like um, yours. hello, exactly. Like literally, me this episode. I'm like, I want Juna Jane. You can bloody have Sharon. Thank but you then much. again, you always want what you can't have. Now it's time for CBA College. Yay. You know, like your tutoring school, but don't worry, we won't keep you here for hours lecturing you about calculus or Pythagoras theorem. Instead, both of us will be sharing our most interesting fact of the week, so you can actually walk away from this having learned something. So, what is your fact of the week? My fact of the week is, so I try to carry on with this growth theme that I'm going with, but obviously it's kind of dwindling every week. (laughs) But today's one is, you know how the Chinese take pride in their uncanny ability to grow mole hair? Have you always come across that? Oh my god, you're going to talk about mole (laughs) hair this episode? Are you freaking serious? But have you not seen that? I have actually seen it, yes. But don't you find it amusing that a race of people who actually find it really difficult to grow facial hair can walk around with like centimetres long hairs out of this one little black spot on their face? Especially old men. Yes. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the reason behind this long hair mole situation (laughs) is that moles are very lucky in China and if you are blessed to have one that is so hairy that it can grow its own little micro beard you might say you have hit the absolute jackpot (laughs) so the long hair signifies luck, wisdom and the ability to make money and if one were to cut these luscious locks. Yes. (laughs) It will be like them cutting away at their luck. So I say grow it loud and grow it proud. (laughs) And you know, moles are beauty spots. So embrace them. 100%. Mm -hmm. So along that theory, are you saying that all the Chinese billionaires, they all have hairy moles on their body. Oh, well, I don't know. We might need some billionaires to write in and tell yes. us. Take some pictures, send them in. Please, please. Can we get some billionaires writing in to us, please? <laughs> Invest in our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is my fact of the week. Your theme of grossness is really paying off. I'm glad that really hit the jackpot for you this week. Okay, mine is not nearly as gross. But my fact of the week today is about Japan. And it's specifically a very interesting law that they have in Japan. Oh, I think I know where you're Where they have a strict waistline Mm -hmm. policy. Oh, okay. In 2008, the Metabo law was implemented, which included a compulsory annual checkup of the waistline of Japanese people between 40 and 74 years old. The aim was to reduce the country's overweight population. 
but I feel like Japanese people are very skinny. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what overweight population? <laughs> Do they get um, fined for being overweight? Yes. So Ooh. the waistline limit for men is 85 centimeters or 33.5 inches for you weirdos who are still using <laughs> that system. Limit for women is 89.9 centimeters or 35.4 inches. So you're right. Local governments and companies that don't meet the target are fined and individuals are required to sign up for counseling and support sessions. They will be given dieting guidance if they haven't lost weight within three months of the checkup. Okay, the first thing mm-hmm. that comes to my mind, yes. this can either go two ways. Mm-hmm. You can either be really successful, like it works great. Yes. You have a country who is not obese, who are all of a healthy weight and who have a really healthy relationship with food and nutrition 100%. and exercise. Yes. Or they all develop eating disorders. Yes, that is a really good point. And there are critics of this system. Uh-huh. So... Critics say that the guidelines are too strict, mm. especially for the men. So men's waist's 85 centimeters. That's quite What cool. is the average waistline of an Aussie or an American? Oh, that is an interesting one. Maybe you can have a look at that. So Juno will search that up. <laughs> but the critics say that the guidelines are too strict and that under those numbers, more than half of all men will be considered overweight. So the number is too small. And it also may encourage, maybe not eating disorders, but somebody said over-medication and raise healthcare costs. So it might sort of back up the healthcare system Mm. when, you know, you're over 85 centimeters, but you actually don't have a health issue. Okay, so what did you find? What is the average waistline? So for an average waistline of an Australian male... Mm -hmm. 97.9 centimeters for a guy aged 18 years and over and the japanese want their males to be 85 and under wow okay so the average american man over 20 years old their circumference is oh no a hundred and two centimeters oh wow which is 40.2 inches holy jesus so the Japanese really want their population to be slim. Slim. Slim, slim. slim. Again, <gasps> cannot go both ways. Exactly. But I'm seeing it as an eating disorder oh problem. Oh, my God. So they still have this. It's been going since 2008. Wow. So fascinating. Yeah. So Junesies, how do you feel after this episode? Look, I've mentioned before. I don't think there is any point in life being a Debbie Downer. Mm -hmm. My name is my identity. Mm -hmm. And if that means I have to work a thousand and one times harder in life than those with an easy to pronounce Western approved name in order to reach my goals and achieve things in life, then so be it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, well, fingers crossed, it will just make me a stronger and better person in the end. 100%. And there is your glass half full. <laughs> so what about you, Shazza? Honestly, your name is going to make you stand out. Mm. So please don't ever change it. I actually want to change my name into a more Asian sounding oh, name. No. Sharon is just, you know, not cutting it, but I will stick with it. Oh. It's brought me this far. <laughs> And if you'd love to hear more from us, please subscribe to Crazy Biatch Asians on your favorite podcast app. And if you've got a sec, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so we can keep going. 
See you all on the Instagram at CrazyBeArtAsians. And you can now find us on YouTube and TikTok. Ooh. All under the same username at CrazyBeArtAsians. Chat soon, gang. Bye. Bye.